Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro Who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today... Writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Will, uh, it would be going better if Sabonis had a healthy right hand, but outside of that, it's going all right. That's great. You're absolutely right on that. We're going to jump into that today. But first, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, the GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It is the true pride of French Lick himself, the undeniable Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you. How's it going today? Pleasure to be with you guys. Going great, uh, uh, you know, except for the last two Kings games. But, hey, we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Well, happy post-Christmas to you both. Uh, the Kings are 3-3 uh, three and three since last we spoke with a uh, loss to the Sixers near the end of a long road trip. Ugly losses at home, as Jerry has alluded to, to the Hornets and the Wizards. Uh, but also a grind them down victories against uh, the Raptors and Pistons and a decent walloping of the Lakers at home. So I guess we can, uh, we can start with the bad news first. We're going to start here. Uh, more generally with the Kings, then we'll get very specific here. Uh, the Kings, even in their victories during this last two-week stretch, uh, they've seemed to backslide or struggle a little bit. Those losses to the Hornets and Wizards were both pretty ugly, pretty bad losses. Uh, struggling for most of the game against teams like the Raptors and Pistons certainly also isn't a good sign. Uh, so, guys, what's the pattern here? What what stands out to you to about this recent stretch of games where even in, where the Kings are winning, they're kind of winning in ugly or less than a heroic fashion here? Well, well, to me, you know, we're just not uh, getting the same production from the bench. Yeah. You know, the bench has been really outstanding for the most part, but uh, probably the last five or six games, they haven't been, you know, nearly as much. Of course, uh, maybe that's not a total surprise that. And uh, I guess I would say, you know, very disappointing to me, at least, is just the overall team defense because, you uh, it really isn't very good. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think we saw strides made and, but you know, when you have, you're at home and you're playing some teams that aren't good offensively and they're scoring a lot of points that that isn't a very cheerful circumstance. Buddy, what about you? What have you seen from the fans perspective here on, on what the Kings have been going through these last couple of weeks? Well, it hasn't, it hasn't been Sabonis. And it's kind of been everyone else's sort of my take on it. Even even Fox, who came back um, since we last recorded, 
his scoring, you know, his his raw uh, scoring numbers are still very good, but his efficiency is is down quite a bit from where it was at the beginning of the year. Uh, like Jerry said, Malik Monk, his three point shot completely completely lost uh, in December. He's shooting less than thirty percent from three this month, so that's tough. Davion Mitchell's offense hasn't been there. Uh, Harrison Barnes still, while Harrison Barnes has had some strong games, his three point shooting is still is down. I think he's shooting also thirty percent from three on the season. So the Kings have had a lot of players outside of Sabonis, uh, see their pro- productivity decline quite a bit since the beginning of the year. We were able to make kind of the excuse uh, during that long road trip of theirs that they were going up against some of the best defenses in the league. It was like, uh, I think the four of those opponents were in the top 12 in defense. I'm curious, uh, now that they've played some bad teams and either lost pretty poorly or, or just pulled out victories in the last uh, couple of minutes there. Is this a scheming thing, or is this just an entire team that's gone through a slump, especially from deep? Well, that, that yeah, that's a question I, I don't know the answer to. It's certainly, uh, I think the team is taking or settling for tougher shots from three yeah. uh, than we saw earlier. You know, maybe a little less ball movement. With, you know, you could, Sabonis is exception to every rule. Uh, on this team, but uh, yeah, the, the productivity has slipped a little bit. Like I say, the bench is still a, a work in progress at the center position. Uh, all that uh, is, is showing up, but like I say, I just think um, mostly it's given up too many easy shots to the opposition. <laughs> and I mean, and settling for some tough shots uh, for yourself and that, that, that will get you in trouble. Tony, how much do you see uh, this could be something uh, that's like a, an opponent scouting thing where the teams are just watching the Kings, they know how the Kings play after 30-something games? Or is this, do you feel like, in your opinion, something that they'll pull out of? I think, I mean, this is this is why, uh, for as exciting as the beginning of the year has been and, and is, the Kings are not really out of the weeds in the Western Conference yet. Like, if you look at the standings, everything is so flat. Um, if they had beat... Uh, Charlotte and Washington, they'd be, uh, I think, like a game and a half behind the first seed in the Western Conference. But losing those two games, now they're two and a half games above the 11 seed, which is uh, the Golden State Warriors. So there's still plenty of, of movement that the Kings can make in both directions. And I think that comes back to the fact that this is not a very good defensive team. We kind of knew that going in. They were historically great on offense for the first few months of the season and now we're running into a stretch where the team that wasn't great on defense coming into the year is not playing great on defense and now their offense is starting to not be historically great and I think you're kind of seeing uh the results of that which is two really bad home losses against the Wizards and uh Charlotte. Gary as a coach and a GM in this league uh, what would your opinion be on how you how you get this team back to right in the ship? If, if you were a coach or a general manager, what would you be doing? What would you be scheming for in order to get the team kind of back where it needs to be? You know, I, I think defensively, I, I would press a lot more. You know, I, I really, I think you've got pretty good depth. Uh, you don't protect the basket real well. So, so pick up sooner. I've been really disappointed in that. And and some of the bad games the Kings have played is when they did press late, it was very effective. Now, I'm not saying you can do it 48 minutes or full court, but there's no reason in my mind that you can't start picking guys up with the dribble, you know, 10 foot before they, they cross the line. And that, you know, that alone uh, limits uh, your options. If you could uh, 
you know, get a team to work hard just to get in their offense with 14 seconds on the clock as opposed to 18. And so to me, that's a weakness. And I, I think they need to play more zone, uh, just absolutely play more zone now, you know, what type of zone and how they match up and all that. But I think as a tempo breaker and, and uh, just show more looks, because if you just come out there and, and kind of look the same for 48 minutes, don't be surprised in this league if some uh, teams kind of figure you out. And I think we're seeing that. Uh, so one of the things that Mike Brown specifically pointed to recently is uh, the lack of a backup five. Um, he mentioned that he needs somebody to bring consistent energy, contain their matchups without the help of the double team, uh, protecting the rim with verticality, boxing out, putting pressure on the rim offensively. He kind of listed out one, one, one day, you know, what, what he needs from a backup center. And then kind of mentioned that like, yeah, I, I went with Holmes. I went with Metu. Uh, now we're going with Kata for a little while. The Kings have four centers on this roster. Uh, they, I mean, they've got Holmes, Metu, Keita, and Alex Lynn, uh, but they don't seem to be happy with anybody filling that role. Is this a hole that uh, needs to get plugged by one of them eventually? Or do you guys kind of foresee this as something that a, a trade's going to need to happen in order to bring in a worthy backup? Well, you know, they, it's an old saying. I mean, if you've got three quarterbacks, you don't have any. And it, to me, if you have four centers, you don't have any. You you certainly, uh, you know, need to, that. That has been a problem. You know, I it's hard to get enthused about any of the, the guys. I mean, we've seen it. Rashawn play a certain way a couple of years ago and is pretty efficient, very efficient. Uh, Metu really isn't a center, but and small ball, he can. Uh, Queda, I mean, he had his moments. I mean, I think there's a player there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not at all sure that Alex Lynn ain't the best of the bunch for the style they're playing, you sure. know, because he, he can pass and he can spot shoot, uh, and he's really big. Uh, and now, having said all that, uh, whether he is or not, that's uh, maybe it's who cares. Uh, but they need to get better there. And I mean, to me, if, you know, if I were Monty McNair, I'd sure be kicking the tires on, on Mo Bamba, someone like that, you know, that because you really need to find besides, you know, it's not the Nerland's Noel crap who is not very good and wouldn't fit this team. Uh, I mean, I think you need to, if you're going to trade and try to get some help there, get somebody that fits with your best player. And that's a bonus. And, uh, and so, you know, Noel doesn't do that or, or DeAndre Jordan or, or really DeMarcus Cousins. But I think, uh, you know, as certainly Bamba would be a guy that might be available. Uh, uh, the brother of, uh, of Tony's favorite player, uh, Franz Wagner, Wagner is, could be available and he's pretty darn good. You know, he's a high post kind of center. And I think the Magic have found out that they're getting as good a production from him as they got from Wendell Carter Jr., if not better. So so there's guys out there. So I've, I'm rambling here. But but to me, it, it really comes down to trying to fill a need and have somebody fit with your best player. Absolutely. Tony, what do you, how do you feel about this uh, backup center hole that they have right now? 
I'm kind of, I think I'm aligned with Jerry 100% on this one. I, I would love Mo Bamba if you can trade for anyone who shouldn't cost a lot. And of the players that are still here, I would give Alex Len a shot. I mean, Alex Len has been here for a while now and he's had stretches where if you're looking for someone who can defend the rim and then not make any mistakes offensively, Alex Len is kind of that guy. Like the problem with Metu is he's undersized and he likes to shoot a lot. Well, Len is neither of those things. Uh, the problem with Keita is that he's inexperienced and he, he might not be good. We don't really know. Well, Len is experienced. And the problem with Holmes is that uh, for some reason he forgot every every good thing he used to do on the basketball court so len is kind of the the guy that makes the most sense and he's also the one that hasn't had a chance yet so by by virtue of not having an opportunity to mess up yet he's kind of my favorite option there one other dark horse random option that i don't hate and it's it's going to make you undersized but just take the center out of it play trey lyles as your backup five have Casey Okpala play four. He's a good defender and he's a long, he's a long defender. Maybe you can cover up any holes there because I think Lyles has been pretty solid off the bench most of the year. So if you don't have a center that that can play well, just don't play one. It's kind of my 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 fifth solution. But if Bamba's available, go get Bamba. One other name I'll throw out there uh, might not fit with Sabonis. So I don't know if he, if Jerry's going to like him, but the Lakers are not using Damian Jones and he was very good here for the Kings last season. Um, I wish McNair had kept him. He didn't, he got paid a little bit more with the Lakers, but the Lakers aren't using him. And maybe there's a trade to be made there too. I like Damien. I, I thought to hear he, he was a pretty good fit. I was a little surprised they didn't bring him back, but he clearly isn't uh, fitting, you know, with the Lakers. And I mean, what you're looking for is a, a 10 minute guy, 10, 12 minute guy that will, you know, fit with some bonus, bring something different. The reason I put, Bamba by and he'd be the hardest to get because he's good uh, <laughs> is that he could play with Sabonis as well as behind him now none of those and I mean and and I think Tony's suggestion about Trey Lyles I, I wouldn't be scared of that either because he's a bigger body uh, bigger than Metu he can make three-point shots you can you know you're playing small but uh you know a lot of teams are doing that so so I, I, I think that's something I think they should consider if they can't, you know, going forward, they've got to look at something a little different because it didn't work. Uh, taking taking Sabonis' injury out of this, how long do you think the Kings can wait and kind of patch it up with what they've got before it really becomes a pressing need for the Kings to to fill that backup center role? Well, I think it's a pressing problem <laughs> today. <laughs> I don't know. It's been, well, it's been a problem and, I mean, the coaching staff's doing what they can. They're, you know, it's yeah. like at some point you, you can try to pound uh, square pegs into round holes, you know, and uh, it, it just, it's just a weakness. So I'm, I'm sure that I'm pretty confident the coach and general manager are aware of their problems. And now it's how do you solve them? And it's like Tony pointed out at some point, okay, uh, you you know you you better try something different because what you're doing didn't work. Now it may not work either, but I'm always of the opinion that well if it isn't working, try something different. And if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, it's kind of broke. Uh, I'm curious. We, we've talked about him a little bit in the past, but uh, you're speaking of broke here. What what's happened to Rashawn Holmes? Do you feel like this is something because it carried over from over from last year, even before the trade, where he was dealing with uh, issues, getting smacked in the eye. Then he was dealing with, uh, with personal issues out, uh, you know, off the court. And then this season he came in with a defined role as kind of the, the backup center. He's, he's, he's paid, he's got a good contract. I mean, this, this is a guy who two years ago was starting and earned that 
you know, I think it was what ten million dollars a year for his for his play. What, what's up with Rashawn Holmes where he can't see time on the floor? Is this the yips or is this just a, a player pouting? Or Jerry, where do you see uh, Rashawn Holmes fitting in right now because of the way he's playing? Well, it's very disappointing uh, to me. I, I did think that if you're going to play Rashawn, you got to play him different, so it creates you know, as a backup guy, he was pretty good in the pick and rolls and things of that nature. He's not going to be able to, you can't run your offense through him. You might uh, run to him some, but not through him. And so uh, that being said, that, that uh, hurts him when he plays, but to what's to me is on him. I don't see the enthusiasm mm-hmm. that we saw consistently from, from Rashawn. You know, I was thought, there was a guy that every night a couple of years ago he played. I mean, he played his butt off. Uh, and you could count on him giving a great effort. You know, he might be overmatched, but he was quite productive and and really, you know, hustled and showed some real toughness. And we're not seeing that. Haven't seen it for a while. And uh, so now what's the reason? Uh, you know, I, I think, I honestly think there's some, you know, and then the, trying to read into people's mind, you should never do that. But I just feel like there's a little pouting going on that uh, it's like, well, Sean, you're paid to play basketball time to, you know, time to move on. Uh, You know, you can pout pout during the summer if you need to, but right now you, you need to be a basketball player and, you know, you agree to just honor your contract as a basketball player, do the best you can. Rashawn's gone from a guy who uh, his first two years in the uh, with the Kings was averaging. I'm looking here at seven seven point seven rebounds in in 26 minutes a game. Only now to be dropped. He he's playing less than 10 minutes a game. They they literally cannot put him on the floor right now without him immediately getting yanked. Tony, I'm curious. Is this a Mike Brown thing where Mike Brown might need to scheme a little bit more for Rashawn Holmes, or is this on Rashawn Holmes where he has not impressed Mike Brown in practice or whatever else like that and is unable to play with this current King squad? Uh, Mike Brown's a better NBA coach than me, obviously, but I wouldn't change a thing for Rashawn Holmes's sake. I mean, Holmes was a guy who, when he first came to the Kings, he was the third center and he won minutes by playing hard and rebounding and hitting floaters. And that wasn't the Kings scheming around optimizing him. It was just Rashawn Holmes taking the very limited minutes he was getting and proving he was the best option at center on the roster until Luke Walton finally gave him that starting role. It was one of Luke Walton's best decisions was, was yanking. I think it was Dwayne Dedman at the time and putting Rashawn Holmes in at starting center. Uh, The Kings do have different personnel than they did back then. I think of guys that helped Rashawn Holmes play well. It was bogey in the pick and roll. It was Tyrese Halliburton in the pick and roll. The Kings don't, have that like pick and roll passer at guard right now that they used to but that's still not an excuse because like i said holmes was making a a big impact in very limited minutes when he first got here and those that type of effectiveness that hustle effectiveness the the uh the playing harder like he was outworking guys to get his minutes and he's not doing that anymore and if i'm mike brown i'm definitely not rewarding that in some weird way by by giving him uh you know working a different offense around him now if if uh, Sabonis is out for an extended period of time, then you might go to Holmes because now it's like, oh, well, congrats. The minutes are here for you. Maybe you'll play hard again and then you switch things up. But right now, uh, Holmes has been so bad. I just don't think he's earned any any level of special treatment by the Kings or Mike Brown. You listen to something that when Mike Brown listed off those things that he needs from the backup five, consistent energy, um, containing their matchup without help of double teaming, protecting the rim, 
uh, with verticality, boxing out, putting pressure on the rim offensively. Those are things in Holmes' first two years that he would do fairly well. Now, he also listed without fouling, and I think that was something that Rashawn Holmes has kind of struggled with at times here. But it kind of shocks me just how how steep the uh, the crash for the you know where the steep how steep the the crash for Rashawn Holmes stock is right now, in terms of where he was just prior to you know trading Tyrese Halberton to right now where he can't he can't see even ten minutes on the floor. Okay, so uh, so this is kind of the big news. This is the thing that we really wanted to get to today. Um, this is why we're here on the 26th of December, right after Christmas, hungover on our uh, eggnog and everything else. Um, Sabonis uh, has a right hand injury, and in, uh, that he uh, that he got in the waning in, uh, the the waning minutes of the Wizards game. Uh, Woj dropped an update uh, on Christmas Eve that basically said nothing, basically stating that the X-rays after Friday's loss to Washington confirmed an injury took place, and that the timeline on a return could depend on pain tolerance, uh, and that he's undergoing further testing and evaluation. Um, he's leading the league in rebounding. He is 12th in the league in assists. Uh, talk to me about the effect uh, Sabonis missing time will have on the Kings and, and uh, what an extended period of, of losing Sabonis might, might mean for the Kings' chances of uh, making the playoffs this season. Well, it uh, would devastating be a pretty good word, you think? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think it's a, you know, they could play a game or so maybe. Uh, I think guys would step up and you'd get, you know, but, but I think, cause we see that happen uh, in the league when, when key guys go down, but if you're talking about a 10 or 12 game stretch uh, no, this, this could be devastating in my opinion, because uh, he's easily the best, most valuable player on this team. And honestly, as I said, the last time other, uh, you know, other than Jokic, uh, what what big big player in the West is better than he is? I mean, we we know Anthony Davis is the games that he plays, which is reasonably rare. Uh, but uh, yeah, it'd be devastating to Kings, no question. I I just wonder with since there's no news on it, I'm just going to speculate here that it's probably not as, as serious as we're afraid of because uh, certainly a hand injury could be a really bad bruise, uh, you know type thing which definitely be painful but uh, i guess what i'm trying to say is i think uh, domas is just so different than most players he's oh you know wants to play more we've seen his his stamina and his uh, toughness and i really believe if there's a way to get out there he'll get out there and if it's just a play through pain thing i think he'll be out there i mean to where he's not putting himself at risk. So that's what I'm hoping for. Tony, how fast is the sky falling for you with this hand injury? Well, I get to play uh breaking news here because Jerry's absolutely right. Um, the Kings released a statement, a, De- a Demaja Sabonis update. And uh, the, the word is that he sustained an avulsion fracture in his right thumb, but he's going to try and play through it. So uh, Simonis is not going to be healthy for a while, but he's going to play like Jerry said he would. Um, if he can stay on the court, good luck getting him getting him to sit games. So he's listed as questionable right now. I guess another report from practice, I think James Ham just had this, that Alex Len was practicing with the starters. So if that's any indication of who might back him up, if Simonis does play, uh, there's your new center rotation. But the Simonis injury, even if he plays through it, is going to be rough. It's not a shooting hand, which is great but it's still a fractured thumb, which I, I didn't know you could fracture a ligament. I thought fractures were just from bones. So you learn something new every day, but 
Uh, shout out to Sabonis for playing through it. The Kings need him. It's a tough stretch coming up. I think I looked at the schedule. The next six games are all against playoff teams, teams over 500. So um, with how close the Western Conference standings are, the Kings the Kings need him. And it looks like they're going to get him. So, so thank you, Sabonis, for playing through it, I guess. So this this kills absolutely 90% of what I was going to talk about today and I appreciate them for letting us off early today. Mm-hmm. Um we can we can still roll with this anyways. Um how does Sabonis's injury knowing that he's going to play through it knowing that that's probably going to affect him a little bit. How does this impact Fox and what he needs to do on the floor in terms of being the uh, the scoring leader of this team and being the point guard of this team? Well, he needs to be more productive. I mean, he's been he's played well, but do you need more from him? And, and as the, you know, the guy that you're not going to be able to run your offense through Sabonis if he's not there, or even if he is there, maybe, uh, eh, in my opinion, if he's there, you go through him. I don't care. He's got one, you know, if he can catch the ball, he can play. But, uh, but I think with, you know, if he's out, then, uh, you know, Fox has to kind of take it on him to make up for some of the offense and some of the playmaking, uh, you know, and I think he can do both. And so he has to. So you can't have a, you know, walkabout quarters and things like that. Uh, I think he has to, you know, be be uh, the best the best Fox he can be. Tony, what about you? What do you see uh, that Fox needs to step up, up on now that uh, Sabonis' injury is not going to take him out of any games but might affect his play a little bit? Yeah, this is Fox's chance now to to be the all-star. I think there's a bit of an open race in the West for for another guard spot, and Fox can earn it if he can carry this team for a little while here while Sabonis is is not 100%. Uh, One thing that Fox needs to do better, and he's really struggled with this since he came back from injury, is his three-point shot, which has never been a strength of his, but um, I pulled the number here. Since he returned... Uh, he's only shooting 25% from three. So, you know, he's going to hit his twos, you know, he's going to get to the free throw line, but if he can start shooting again, like he was earlier in the year, that'd be huge for the Kings. Cause they've had issues uh, across the board in their starting lineup with three point shooting, whether it's Harrison Barnes, everyone, but Kevin Herter has had different, different areas, different periods of struggling from three. So um, Fox keep doing what you're doing on offense with your two point shot, but, but try and hit those threes again, like you were earlier would be my advice. And also just carry this team. He, he did it for stretches earlier this year. And now it's, now it's his turn to, to take the ball from Sabonis who has been carrying this team for about two months now. It's, it's kind of interesting too, you know, of all the three point shooters. And, and I know that goes in cycles, you know, that, uh, you know, herders had his moments of struggle and this, that, and the other, but really the only guy that seems to be getting better shooting threes is Sabonis. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, holy cow. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't see, you know, he's shooting 39%. I don't think he is a 39% shooter, but, but he's been a 32% for his career. You know, I always said in Indiana, it just always amazed me how people say, well, Miles Turner can really shoot the deep ball. Sabonis can't. And I said, well, they're both shooting 32%. So, uh, <laughs> You know, I guess one thirty-two percent is as good as another thirty-two <laughs> percent. <laughs> the uh, the Kings' next five games are uh, two against Denver, uh, two against Utah Jazz, and a game. Uh, uh, those Jazz games are split by a game against the Memphis Grizzlies. How much do you think Sabonis playing has to deal with? Like they've got five really tough games coming up here before a decent little, a little bit easier stretch down the road. How? How much do you think Sabonis playing has to do is uh, is the fact that they can't lose all five of these games and uh, at this point in the season? Well, that's a, a, that's a good point. I, I mean, I think it just comes down to to the guy. 
I mean, sure. I think he's a guy that wants to play. Sure. You know, I mean, a, a really an old school uh, 80s, 90s kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, his dad was that and played with a lot of injuries. And I, I think he's a chip off the big giant block. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, so I, I don't think that I don't think he's looked at schedule. And if I were him, I wouldn't either, because uh, the Kings really, there's nobody they can take lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, every game, any game you can win, whether it's against a good team or a bad team, goes up in the standings. And to me, that's how they got to look at it. That's why these last two have been so frustrating. Okay, we're going to roll over to a, uh, to a commercial break real quick, and we'll be right back. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on new and exciting Klein Tools products. From the Power Hub 1 to the KTB-500 portable power station, Sacramento Electronics has all your job site power needs. Stop by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelect.com. All right, we are back from that commercial break. Um, We're going to roll over to our Anything But King segment, uh, a portion of the the podcast where I get to... uh, I get to ask Tony and Jerry to uh, talk about any other game, any other team, any other storyline from the sports world that they've encountered over the last two weeks. The only rule is they don't get to talk about the Kings or baking shows. I'm going to start throwing that in here pretty quick. Oh, no. Because I know, I, I know Tony. I know Tony. It was Christmas time. Tony was watching some baking shows at I some was. point in the last two weeks, and I refuse to let him do it again. So, Tony, why don't you go first, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> let Jerry jump in there. Sure. Um, I'll spare everyone my depressing Patriots takes. I have watched them, but I, I'm starting to feel like Mac Jones is not the guy, which is which is very disappointing. Uh, but I will throw a movie recommendation out there because I like I most people that I've seen on Twitter and in real life saw Glass Onion this the last few days on uh, Netflix, and I won't spoil anything. I would just say you should watch it. It's a very fun movie. Jerry, what about you? What have you been doing in sports this week? Well, I mean, I've been watching about everything. Uh, so that doesn't change, but he, here's my, my thought. I uh, really got a kick out of uh, Greg's little column. I guess everybody's involved of, of, of Christmas names. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I thought I would give you the ones that I approve, which means I don't care about the rest of them. <laughs> nice. And, uh, and then, you, you know, those of you like other you tell me to kiss your butt. I don't care. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I liked, uh, Holmes for the holiday, Murray Christmas, and Merry Christmas. Those are my three favorites. I don't think you. I just don't think you could go wrong with any of those. And so that that was a a, a well conceived, uh, thought out little little uh, target in semi journalism. <laughs> did either of you two watch Christmas basketball at all, or did you guys do other things for Christmas? Well, I, I watched, uh, I watched, I'd about go nuts between football and basketball because there were some football games I was mo- far more interested in than the basketball games. But I did watch, uh, you know, uh, I watched certainly the, the Warriors and, uh, and the Grizzlies and then uh, Lakers and, uh, and, Ma- and, and, and Mavs. But other than that, it was kind of bits and pieces uh, of that. And same way with, 
football. I wanted to watch, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the pack, see what they could do and see if they're still alive. That's always interesting. So that's, that was it for me. Yep. Tony, I'm going to say, I would never trust the man whose first name is McCorkle. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why you thought that a guy named McCorkle would be able to be your 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 future in 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 football. But it was a great rookie year. That's all. Yeah. I, all I say. <laughs> um. Okay. So Tony, we're going to roll over to the Patreon today. Thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our Kings Herald patrons. You can subscribe at Patreon.com/slash Kings Herald. Uh, every question that gets asked gets answered, whether it's here or on the Patreon exclusive show that we record once a month. Um, but today's question comes from Dutch Kings fan, and we kind of hit on some of this, but uh, I'd like to know Jerry's thoughts in a more targeted manner. Uh, Dutch Kings fan asks, the Kings have been bad when Sabonis rests. Is that because A, he's simply really good, B, he has poor backups, C, Brown's offensive system needs a Sabonis type and stumbles when someone else steps in, or D, all of the above. What do you guys think, and can this be fixed? Well, number one, it's D. D, D, all the above. There's no doubt about it. You hit it. It's all little bits of can it be fixed. I think it can. Uh, I mean, in other words, with existing personnel, it's going to be a lot harder It'd be, if you could make the right deal, it would uh, be much easier. But with the existing personnel, you can, but you're going to have to make some adjustments to that personnel. That uh, trying to plug somebody in to play like Sabonis, you can't do it because unless you get Jokic, there's nobody else that can. Uh, Jerry, Dutch Kings fan asks a follow-up based on uh, last week's episode. But he says also, how does Jerry feel about New Year's and where does it rank in his holiday top 10? It would be probably about right at the bottom, uh, you know, since I quit drinking. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think alcohol plays a big role. And so probably in my middle 60s, and of course that was, and certainly getting diabetes, that all played into it, you know, my doctor always told me said well you can you can have a couple of beers and I always said what's the point a couple <laughs> if you you know my, my strategy was try to drink them all and uh, so 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 that's changed and so me and Mrs. Reynolds uh you know we pretty much uh, pack it in you know when it's uh, midnight in uh, New York that, that counts for us sure and you know other than fortunately our, we have some younger neighbors that are they're still thrilled about another year and so we we, we tolerate them because we like them and uh so anyway that's uh, so that's it doesn't rank very high will i know we were across the board not a huge christmas podcast but what do you think about uh new year's um you know there are like every holiday there's good and bad i i like it more than i like christmas but i i think that uh you know it's got bad music. Old Lang Syne is just an old song that needs to be put down once and for all. It's 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 a very old song. It needs to be retired. Um, Martinelli's. I don't know what it is about Martinelli's, but I was because I was going to suggest, hey, Jerry, drink some Martinelli's if you can't have champagne or, <laughs> or anything else. But it does something to my system. I cannot have more than two sips of Martinelli's before I'm I'm sitting on, on, on the throne for a little while. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, that is a drinking holiday, Jerry. And it's one of those things that I always wake up. Mm -hmm. I always start my new year just 
absolutely feeling like garbage and that's that's probably not a good thing <laughs> so it's like oh this is not a good start uh mm-hmm. rose parade's nice i don't mind the rose parade although it doesn't need to be six hours long and have have color commentary over the whole thing just just show me some really nice i want a really nice slideshow of all the wow look at all those good job and i don't need to watch six hours of it but it's it's probably it's probably near the bottom but not because it doesn't try to win my affections it's just not that fun well you can always remember the thrill too of the the you know, watching the Siwash Bowl on the January 1st or or some just <laughs> meaningless thing now that, uh, you know, they got to, you know, ESPN, stop it. Just stop it. It's better for humanity if you just quit covering those things. People don't care. Even the teams don't care. And they make, I don't know. So I'm done with that. I'll watch the, the you know, a couple of bowls outside the, the four the four contenders and that's it so and that's enough that's enough america uh i used to love new year's i feel like i've aged out of new year's unfortunately um so now it's whatever i will say hockey doesn't get a lot of uh play on this podcast but the winter classic is very cool and it's a very it's a very fun event and that is is usually around new year so it's not the worst sports day i guess i'll give it that Uh, i'm gonna ask tony only because i'm not a hockey person is that the is that the game that they play outdoors yeah, and it had been, I mean, I don't know, it's, they used to do it once a year, one place, and it was really cool. I think they do a few now, and it maybe kind of lost what it was, but the first couple that it did, like, at Fenway were really fun. The Bruins playing hockey at Fenway Park, that's a cool scene. You're right, that we don't play a lot of hockey on this podcast, and probably for good reason. <laughs> All right, Jerry, we're going to roll over to you for the for the Reynolds wrap-up. We had a short show today, but we wanted to get some people some uh, some looks right after Christmas before uh, before a big stretch of the Kings. So what do you have for us today to wrap up the show? Well, you know, I noticed where the NBA really took some serious, serious moves, uh, punishment for the, the Knicks in their oh, yeah. probably violation of uh, uh, talking to Jalen Brunson and the contract a bit early. Uh, they're going to find him a 2025 second round pick. <laughs> and if that don't scare the crap out of uh, agents and teams, I don't know what would. And, uh, you know, and I understand it's it's uh, one of those deals that I don't think they can ever prove, and uh, and and so in my opinion, teams are always going to do it, agents and and people, and I might have been involved in some of that myself, so <laughs> I can't uh, you know have taken an early phone call, but I would advise teams wait a little while before you sign the damn guys, you know. I know you've agreed to contracts, but don't make it just embarrass the league where they've got to punish you so severely. You know, guys will go where they want to go, and I, there's not much reason to make it any more difficult than that. I feel like, Jerry, doesn't that incentivize the league as well? Like, if I know I could get Jalen Brunson for one 20, 25-second rounder and then a bunch of money, wouldn't that incentivize you to, like, go out there and hunt those kinds of guys if you know – it's only one second rounder that I'm losing. Oh, absolutely. But here's the point. They've been doing it. Yeah. And they're <laughs> going to continue to do it. They're yeah. not. I mean, that's the whole point. The only thing that does, and I, and I agree, it, if you could find a way to keep it from happening, totally happening, yeah. I don't believe that you can. No. I believe that, that agents and, and will have us figure out a way to talk and get things agreed to because and at the end of it, the player and agent will make that decision. I mean, the, you know, as opposed to on a Monday, 
do they make it on a Friday, you know, type thing. I, I, I don't see the, the real problem. I mean, would Jalen Brunson, had they been able to uh, not talk to Jalen a few days sooner, would he not went to the Knicks? My guess is he still would have. Yeah. And so, so I guess what I'm saying is it's a silly penalty, but I think it's a penalty that, you know, all it's going to do is to, uh, you know, teams just be smart. You're going to cheat. We know you're going to cheat okay. and uh, just don't make it so obvious. Yeah. Reading that press release, I felt a lot like uh, every last two minute report where it's like, oh, great. Like, they, thanks for the info out of the NBA, I guess. It didn't really do anything for me. That doesn't really take anything away or help in, in any way whatsoever. But now I know you messed up. Cool. It's a very similar situation when I was coaching in junior college and and, and of course, we recruited nationally and all that. But people would say, well, you know, are, are you sure you're not breaking any rules? I said, well, I'm pretty sure I am. Uh, <laughs> but I said, <laughs> but I said, unless uh, I turn myself in and since I have no investigative force, I would have to turn myself in and produce the evidence against myself. And, and the odds of me doing that were quite slim at that time. <laughs> All right. Well, for everyone here at the King's Herald show, I want to thank you guys for listening to another podcast. Um, we're not going to see it till the new year. So uh, please be safe uh, for all your new year celebrations, whether that's alcohol free or with Martinelli's or whatever else you got in store. Don't drink too much of it. It'll, it'll hurt either way. And, uh, and uh, make sure you come back to us safe here in two weeks. And I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have news to talk about then. So uh, appreciate you guys. And, and we'll see you in the new year.